0: If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it up to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Uh, we're going to be in verse 46. Just one verse. Uh, you grab that. Hold on to that. Uh, we'll get there in just a second. But I was thinking this week because um, you know sometimes it's just good to reflect, and and I was thinking about my kids' first words. Um, how you know the first words of a kid. It's, it's just so, it's such a special time. And the first words of your first kid is, is even, I mean, it's even more meaningful. Those of you who have had kids know what I'm talking about. It's such a... Such a special moment. I remember Lex. We we have four kids. Uh, Lex is the oldest. He's eleven. The other three: Cole, Ava, and Truitt. They go uh, nine, almost five, going on fifteen. But um, she's a little girl, and then a little boy. His Truitt. He's two. And um, I was thinking about Lex's first word. And correct me if I'm wrong, but was it caterpillar? Yeah, it was Caterpillar because we were really into baby Einstein at the time, you know, the little caterpillar. And so we're, 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 I think we were in Target and he had a little like Caterpillar toy attached to his seat cover thing because you know when you have a firstborn child, you have to cover everything that they touch. When you have like child two or three, they're like playing with old batteries and acids leaking out and you're like, that will be fine. But he's playing with this toy. And it's the little caterpillar, and he looks at us, and I promise you, he looks at us and he goes, caterpillar. I, I know it's not perfect. He was a little, like, like he was only, what, like seven, eight, nine months? He was so young, and we were like, oh, my gosh, this kid's a genius, you know? And I can't tell you what the other three kids said. I don't even know, you know? <laughs> After the first one does it, nothing else even matters. You're like, sorry, it's not important. Um... <laughs> I did some research on first words. I did some research. Did you know that 52 percent of kids, their first word is some form of "dad." Uh, "Dada," "papa," you know, "daddy," I don't something like that, but only 35 percent of kids' first word is some form of "mom." That's offensive. Yes. Right, mom. Yeah. Like let's just that, 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 is, that is offensive because uh, you can pretend. You know, those of you who aren't already in agreement, you can be like, oh, no, that's great. I'm glad their first word was dad. He's such a special guy. But the truth is, he didn't contribute but one thing to human life. It's the only thing he thinks about if he's not thinking about food. (laughs) Mom, you're the one with the swollen ankles. You're the one who threw your hip out carrying him for nine or ten months. And he comes out and he says... Dad, dad, and you're like, oh no, you didn't. Dad, dad, in this house. I read about as I was researching this. I read about one mom. Get this. She named. Uh, she was so determined to get her kid's first world uh, word to be mama that she renamed the bottle mama. So every time she gave the kid the bottle, she said, "You want mama?" You want mama? You want? And so the kid—it happened. The kid's first word was mama. Except it really jacked him up for the rest of his life, because he's hanging out with his friends as a teenager, and he gets hungry, and he's like, "Mama," and his friends are like, "Weirdo, what are you doing, man?" And so, anyway, anyway, it, it, the, the reason I hear—I discovered this—the reason kids say dad first is because it's an easier word. It's just an easier uh, word to pronounce, or at least. Moms, you can just keep telling yourself that. We know they really like us better, amen. Dads, all right. I didn't, I didn't feel that really echoing from you. I didn't really feel that, amen. So, anyway, let's just move on. Um, the last word of Jesus. Let's talk about that before I get in trouble. Um, so, we're, first words. First words are really important, and last words. Last words have a really significant. Uh, significant part of our lives We remember last words um, And Jesus' last words On the earth He chose to end his life By speaking to his father to, By speaking to his dad He wanted to end his life Talking to his father So his last word on earth Isn't even to anybody on the earth It's to his father And that's what we're looking at today In Luke chapter 23 verse Forty-six. If you have a Bible, that's awesome. If not, just check out the screen behind me. If you have a phone, you're welcome to uh, pull it out, follow along with us. Uh, and and Uversion Bible app is a great free app. If you don't have a Bible on your phone, it's awesome. Uh, it's got all kinds of translations. It's great. Here we go. Luke chapter twenty-three, verse forty-six. Jesus called out with a loud voice, "Father, into your hands." I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. So let me me share the setting with you. Uh, Luke Luke tells us and the other gospel writers tell us that about 12 o'clock on the day Jesus is crucified, the sky grows black and dark. Darkness covers the land. And into that darkness, Jesus speaks commitment and he breathes his last, and his last breath becomes my first breath. And when his life ended, we discover that our lives just begun. This last word from Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, is the seventh thing that he said from the cross, and it's fitting that he would say seven things from the cross. Seven is a a biblical number of completion. If you're not Familiar with that? Sometimes certain numbers mean they carry a certain weight, and so seven is this idea of a completion of a cycle, as if this cycle is perfect, that nothing more is needed, nothing more is added at this point. And so this seventh word comes out, and and we've heard Jesus talk about forgiveness, and and we've talked about how he how he how he offered salvation to a thief beside of him, and and how he connected his mom with a disciple, and he talked about relationship, and and then. He he was he he felt abandonment on the cross and then finally he felt thirst and then last week we looked at the words of triumph when Jesus says it is finished and now the seventh word father into your hands I commit my spirit and I believe that these words that Jesus says that we're looking at this morning on Easter Sunday April 1st 2018 here in Regal Theater chesapeake i think these words father into your hands i commit my spirit i believe they can give you hope today no matter where you're from no matter what baggage you came carrying into this room, no matter what you were doing last night, last week, or this morning before you got in the car to come here, I believe these words from Jesus, that they, all, they not only offer you information about what he said, but I think contained in these words is the transformation that you did not even know you came here looking for on Easter Sunday. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In order to absorb these words, what I've done is I've chosen three, three headings, if you will, three words that I think really, really hit at what, what these, this last statement contains. Three simple words. It's a simple message today. I'm not trying to get complicated or complex. I just want to present to you the truth. Of what Jesus said there on the cross And I think the first thing The first thing we have to say That these last words of Jesus are Are they are words of victory These are words Of victory And I know it doesn't look like victory because he's there on the cross and he's bleeding out and he's dying and he's wounded and his internal organs are exposed and flesh is hanging from his back and he's he's bleeding out. And typically typically when, when two people get into a fight, um, the person who walks away is the victor. They're the one who has victory. And the person who's left in a pool of their own blood, they're the one who's been defeated. And we see Jesus bleeding out on the cross. We're going to see him lay He's going to die. He's going to be buried. And that looks nothing like victory. It looks like the very picture of defeat let's just be honest. It looks like loss and defeat, but but the reality is that this this image of Jesus is him winning forever, setting out and accomplishing what he came to this world to do for you and me. He did not bring victory into the world looking like victory. You see, that's how God See, if, if you don't get this, especially if you've been following Jesus for a while, if you don't understand this, then it really throws you for a loop. Sometimes God will not bring victory into your life looking like victory. He'll dress it up like death first to get it in and slide it into your life. He, he does this. He's, he's sneaky this way. He dresses up victory like death so nobody suspects it, but what he's really doing is he's bringing something into your life. God will send glory into your life, but it won't look like glory. He'll send blessing into your life, but it won't look like blessing. He'll send patience into your life dressed like a teenager. <laughs> Amen? Everybody's had a teenager. The reality is, the truth is, we don't see it when it we 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 don't see it while we're in it. You know what I mean? We, we, we don't see it. God's God's bringing strength into our life, but but we've been we've been praying for strength, but He brings it in, and it looks like sorrow. We've been praying for God to mature us and to grow us and to to make us more than we are, and He brings it in through trial and through difficulty and through hardship. Because we think victory only has one look. We think victory can only look one way. And sometimes we don't see the victory until we're on the other side of it. And we can look back at what we just came through. This is how we understand that these words of Jesus are words of victory. Because death was not his final destination. No, no, no. Death wasn't, death wasn't Jesus' final destination. The reason that he used to borrow tomb is because he didn't need it for very long. Jesus treated the grave like you and I treat a hotel room. I just need it for the weekend. <laughs> I'm going to be out of here on Sunday morning. I don't need it for very long. I'm just borrowing it because this is not my final destination. I've got something on the other side of this. I'm going to be leaving town on Sunday. These words are words of victory because when we look at Jesus, we don't see him thrashing around on the cross in the throes of death, in the throes of torment. No, 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 no. He pulls all of his energy and he cries out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. That word commit is the word, it means to entrust. It means to, to give over. It means to hand over, So Jesus says, Father, into your hands I hand over my life. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Jesus chose the moment that he died. And it, tell, it tells me that, that this moment in the crucifixion, Jesus chose this moment to be his last moment because, because uh, victims of crucifixion can hang on for days because because they're just they're hovering between life and death and they're breathing in and they're pulling themselves up and they're resting and they're they're coming down and so that's why the tradition is if you read the story that's why they broke the legs of the two people beside Jesus because in Jewish tradition the Sabbath was about to come at sunset the Sabbath would be there and it was it was um, uh, against the Jewish law for for Jews to be to be dealing with dead people on the Sabbath and so they asked if can, can we just break their legs to hurry this along but then they come to Jesus and he's already dead. So they stab him with a spear and the spear comes up through and it pierces the 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 the, the, the fluid sac around his heart and water and blood flow out and so they're like, yeah, he's dead, he's gone, he's all, we don't have to break his legs, he's already dead. And so Jesus chose this moment. Why? Why do I, why do we know that? Because in John chapter 10, Jesus says, Jesus says, no one takes it from me. It being my life. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I got the authority to pick it back up when I'm ready for it. Nobody takes my life. I commit it. I entrust it. I give it. Matthew gives us a different angle of, of what's happening on the cross. And chapter 27 27, verse 50 says this. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. Hey Doug, can you come up here real quick and help me out? I want to show you what gave up looks like in, in Matthew's. Gospel gave up is is a royal word. The word Matthew uses is a royal word that means dismissed. Okay, it's a word that a king would use, and I'm going to be the king. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and 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 Doug is going to be my faithful um, uh, servant. Sorry, I don't know. Um, so, so here's here's how this word works. Okay, this is how you dismiss somebody if you're a king. Um, Doug, thank you for showing up today. Um, I'm going to need you to uh, go to Newport News. Uh, there's uh, there's some some business there that I need you to take care of. Uh, I need you to go do that. You're dismissed. Doug, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back, come uh, back. When when you get there, there's uh, there's something else in Hampton. Uh, there's a family there that I, I just want to I, I want them to let I want to let them know that they owe me some money, but but. They're, they're, they're okay. You're dismissed. Doug, I, I need you to come back. Come back. Um, uh, thank you for, I really appreciate uh, you doing this for me. You're dismissed. Give it up for Doug. Wasn't he dismissed so well? That's how Jesus treated his spirit. Like a king, you're dismissed. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it. I got the power to dismiss it, and I got the power to call it back when I want it. You know what that means? That means the victory was in his hands all along. The victory was in his hands all along. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let me hand you over my life. Hold on to it for me. I'll be back in a few days. These are words of victory. Number two, these are words of Trust. These are words of trust. If Jesus could dismiss his spirit into the father's hands, then the father's capable of taking care of you too. If Jesus could trust his father to take care of him, father, into your hands, I entrust my life. See, Jesus, is, his, his destination for this life wasn't a mystery, it was a certainty. Jesus tells us again in John 10, he says, no one can pluck you from my father's hand. In other words, my father's got a really good grip. Right. And if you will entrust your life into his hands, he can hold on to you So you don't have to worry and you don't have to fear. And Paul tells us in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, you don't have to be afraid. If you are a believer, if you are a child of God, if you entrust your life to him, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. There's so much circling around of fear in our culture. Well, what if this happens? Well, what if the terrorist strikes? Well, what if North Korea, like, explodes a nuclear bomb? And what if Russia hacks the Internet? And what if all this happens? And what are we going to do? Oh, my God. And then all of that, you know what? He's got you. Yes. Yes. He's got you. You can have peace today. You don't have to let your chaos be, be, be swirling around in your mind and your heart, continually living in fear of what's going to happen around you. If you know Jesus, you've got peace. Father into your hands I commit my spirit Paul tells Timothy Timothy was like a a spiritual son to Paul In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 He tells him this He says I know whom I have believed not I know what I believe because our faith is not built on a doctrine. Our faith is not built on some kind of uh, a creed of, of statements that we adhere to. Our faith is built on a person who got up out of the grave. And Paul says, I know yes. whom I have believed. I have believed on a person. His name is Jesus. And he says, I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep. Look what he says. Keep what I have what? Committed. To him, that's right. Yeah. He's able to keep it. He, he, he's able to. He's able to keep the stuff, and I don't have to worry about it. Listen, here's a good rule of thumb for your life: you never have to worry about stuff that's been committed to God. You, you don't. You don't have to carry that that worry. And if you really believed that, you'd get some sleep tonight. <laughs> if you really believed that, when things died in your life, you would expect what's next to come from what was and move forward in your life if you really believe the resurrection is legit because if, listen, listen if, if God made you out of dust he can remake you out of ash oh, yes. oh, yeah. when you feel like your life is burned up and you've burned all the bridges and everything's crumbled around if he made you out of dust he can remake you out of the ash Amen. of your life yeah. just trust it in him so this morning, what are you dealing with? But well, what is it that you're holding on to? What are you holding on to that you really just need to let go of? You know what I mean? Like, what, do you, what is it that it, good, bad, ugly, any of it, like, like life and dreams. So many of us try to hold our life and our dreams in our own hands, and we are the party responsible to seeing our dreams come true. But the reality is the best place for your dreams to go is into the Father's hands because you don't have to worry when you put stuff in his hands. What about my marriage? What about my kids? Pastor Josh, I'm so nervous. My kids are growing up and they're not connecting with Jesus and I don't know what to do and my marriage is on the rocks and my wife won't even return my phone call and she's moved out or I've moved out and I don't know what to do. You commit it to the Father's hands and you trust in him. What about this hurt? What about this brokenness? What about this defeat? What about this regret? You give it to God you say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Listen, it's not until you take what's in your hand and you give it to God that he can take what's in his hand and give it to you. So many of us, we're praying, we're praying, we're saying, God, I need freedom. God, I need healing. God, I need breakthrough. God, I need new life. God, I need you to do something miraculous in my life, in my family, in my job. God, I don't know what to do. And we're holding on to the control of our lives. We're holding on. And God said, if you would just entrust and, and entrust me and give that to me, then your hands will be open and I'll be able to get the healing into your life. So you gotta let go of your brokenness to receive healing. You gotta let go of that defeat. You gotta entrust that to the Father so you can receive victory. You gotta let go of the fear so you can receive the peace. Are words of access. These are words of victory. These are words of trust. And number three, these are words of access. You see, we, we, we don't want to look at just what Jesus said. We want to look at what happened when he died. Check this out. Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. This is the moment Jesus dies. Matthew tells us, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. You see that that detail from top to bottom. It's so, so, so important. Let me give you just real quick, just a couple of minutes, a real quick history lesson about Jewish culture and religion. In Jewish culture, uh, they had a, a place where they worshipped called the temple. And inside the temple was a place called the Holy of holies. It was a place that only one person once a year could enter into. It was the place where the very presence of God was was living and dwelling uh, above this above this big piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. God dwelled there. His presence was thick in there. And only one person, one time a year, they could go in. And it was so sketchy, so scary, that they tied a rope around the guy, put bells on the bottom of his dress. So when he walked in, if they stopped hearing the bells, they knew he had died because he had sin in his life and he got in the presence of God. So they drug him out with the rope. This was legit. This was this was a this was a, a holy, holy place. And so As Jesus breathes his last, the the veil, the curtain, you see, that holy of holies was separated from the rest of the temple with this really thick curtain that went all the way from the ceiling to the floor. And it separated the presence of God from the common people. And Matthew tells us, when Jesus cries out and he breathes his last, Something miraculous happened, and the curtain, which is so thick that, that you couldn't rip it if you tried, was ripped from top to bottom, as if God was ripping it, as if the Father was ripping it and saying, Come on in. This is an all-access my presence. I want you to come in. Whoever wants to drink from my presence, come on in. Whoever wants to eat, whoever's hungry, whoever's thirsty, come into my presence. No longer will I be separated from you by this curtain, by this, by this man-made barrier. I am coming into your world. You are invited into mine. You're saying, Well, that sounds ridiculous. It is. reckless it's God being vulnerable what if people come into God's presence who don't appreciate it what if people come into God's presence who don't honor and cherish and and are enthralled by it it's the risk he's willing to take for you and you and you and you and and me And Jesus he, he breathes his last and the father rips it open and he says anybody can Anybody can come in. In other words, there's no shadow that he won't light up for you. There's no there's no mountain that he won't climb up to chase you down. There's no lie that you can believe that he will not destroy and defeat. And there's no there's no wall that is erected so high. invited you, you you were mistaken. You are here because God said there's no shadow in your life that I won't light up. There's no mountain that you can hide behind that I won't climb up to come after you. There's no wall that you can erect around yourself that I won't kick down chasing after you. There's no lie that I won't. lie that says you're not good enough you gotta let go of that lie listen to me, you gotta let go of the lie that says I don't deserve it, that I'm not worthy of it you gotta let go of the lie that says I've made too many mistakes in my life I've gone too far let me get myself cleaned up first and then God will accept me, it doesn't work that way he's chased you down he's coming after you this morning let me tell you two things before we pray two things Number one, only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can save you. Heaven only sent one son, one Savior. You say, that's pretty narrow-minded, Pastor Josh. Last time I checked, there wasn't a line waiting to die and resurrect for my sin. If there's somebody else, if somebody else will do what Jesus did for me, I'll listen to them, but as yet, no one has. So yes, it is exclusive only through Jesus Can we come to the Father? Here's number two. You are the only one who can commit your life into his hands. Can I be honest with you? If I could do it for you, I would. If I could tie you down and make you commit your life, you might fight, bite, kick, scream, but ultimately you'd be thankful. I can't do that. We can't do that. Jesus says, I, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and I knock. If you will open the door, I will come in. But you got to open the door. He will not force himself in. He will not, he will not save you outside of your, your surrendering your life into his hands. He won't do it. You have to open the door to your own heart. what I want to do. Just real quick, everybody just all over the room, would you just do me a favor and everybody close your eyes. While we're standing here, just everybody with your eyes closed. I want to give give people an opportunity to respond. And I want you to know right now, the only people that are looking around in this room are are pastors. We just want, want to pray over you if you're ready to respond. You're ready to, you say, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender and commit my life to Jesus. I'm ready to entrust him with my life. I'm I'm tired of holding on to control. I'm tired of trying to do it myself. I'm trying to make myself good enough. I'm tired of it. Here's what I want you to do. If that's you today, I'm not going to hype this up because I don't want you to get saved because of hype. I'm just going to ask you to to make the decision this morning to commit your life to Jesus. After you you say, yes, that's me here in just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just as a a, a public testimony that says, yes, that's me. I'm going to pray this prayer with you, and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer, okay? On the count of three, no hype, no loud music, no, no atmosphere of the moment, just you and Jesus right now. If you want to commit your life to Him, I'm on the count of three. I want you to put your hand up and then just hold it there. Hold it there. Okay? Keep your hand up and hold it there. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up right now. Just lift it up. Take it even higher. Nobody's looking around. You don't have to be ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of you when he tore the curtain. You don't have to be ashamed of him. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Nobody's peeking. Nobody's looking around. Just keep your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Up on the floor, hands up in the balcony. Thank you, God. Lord, we commit our life to you. You've got your hand up. Just just keep your hand up and pray this with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it under your breath. Matter of fact, why don't let's do this? Let's just do this with our friends, our family members. They lifted their hand. Let's say this all together so nobody feels left out and singled out. Let's just say this. Dear God, into your hands, I commit my spirit. I belong to you I trust you I believe that Jesus is your son today I make him my savior I call him my lord this is my new beginning forgive me of my sin change my heart fill me with your spirit so I can live for you from this day forward follow you in Jesus name amen amen and could you put your hands together people pray thank you so much for joining us today we always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life we all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called amen corner to tell us your story